Hello, movie friends. Welcome back to Raiders of the Lost Podcast, the ultimate film and TV podcast, and another episode of Letterboxd Recap, where we go through the movies we've been watching this past week, as well as rating the Letterboxd Top 4 for five fans. Jim, how was your movie watching week? Lots of spooky stuff going on nice. here, as well as some bangers all around, but nothing but good movies, of course, because I've Incredible great taste. taste. I have yeah. great taste. Yeah. I, have great t- I mean, it is what it is. Everybody it's a, says. It's a curse. Everybody knows <laughs> I have incredible taste. You have taste tremendous taste. In cinema. But um, <laughs> a mixture of spooky stuff as well as we saw a Friends movie that he executive produced, which is a really cool little independent film. And then, obviously, we watched Killers of the Flower Moon last night, which I can't oh, wait to yeah. talk about a little bit. But we're going to drop an episode on Killers of the Flower Moon on Monday. It'll be spoiler-free for about, like, 30 to 45 minutes so that, obviously, not everyone's going to see it this weekend. Mm-hmm. So you can still tune in, then come back to it when you see the movie. But Cannot recommend it enough to see it in theaters. How many films did you watch this week? Let's see what we got. We got one, two, three, four, five, six, and then Midnight Ruin as well as uh, seven. Plus. So seven. Yeah, so yeah. it's like six and a half. I got nine movies watched. Yeah, I mean, it's normal for you. <laughs> it's a slow week, Anthony. Pretty slow week. I mean, we were busy. Yeah, were you? you? You only got nine watches in. <laughs> but speaking of Midnight Ruin, thank you to everybody who has watched the film and who has logged it on Letterboxd and on IMDb. We've gotten so many great reactions, so many ratings. So we're at over 600 ratings on Letterbox with over, we have 328 reviews on Letterbox. That's so huge, man. Thank you to everybody who's watched it. It's been amazing, and we hope to get more people's eyes on the film. We were a little confused if you heard us on our movie news episode. We weren't sure about the score. The average score on Letterbox is a 3.7. And we were like, that seems low considered all the high ratings. And so I actually got into contact with someone at Letterbox, and they said if a film has under 2,000 ratings, they basically slap on like an overall average until enough people watch the film, until enough people rate the film, and then they let it accurately project what the ratings are. So when we get about 2,000 ratings, we'll have a more accurate score. I'm thinking a 4.2, gonna be It's going to be Harakiri. Yeah, yeah we're going to be top Harakiri with the 4.7. <laughs> Pretty no, excited about that. Yeah, I'm guessing a, I'm guessing a 4 or 4.1, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So it's just a matter of time until we get enough ratings, but thank you again to everybody who's seen the film and rated it on Letterboxd. Let's get into our first watches each, Anthony, and then we'll do our ratings of four fans letterbox. I mean, five fans letterbox top four. <laughs> so you might as well kick us off since you watched 17 movies this week. What is your first watch? <laughs> the fucking town guy. Yeah. So we just did an episode on Wednesday on the town, and my review was, it's wicked awesome guy. And I gave it four and a half stars. If you haven't seen our episode, be sure to check that out. It was a really fun one. We even we ranked the Boston accents of the actors. We taught you a lot about Boston slang, as well as talking about how important this film is to the culture of Boston and the community of that film culture. It's a great representation of the city. Plus, it's just a great cops and robbers movie. I really adore it. I've seen it maybe six or seven times, and it's just top-tier Boston movie, but also a top-tier uh, crime movie and my second favorite cops and robbers movie. It's an excellent representation of Boston because we're all criminals over there. <laughs> we're all we all are rob armored trucks. We all rob banks. Yeah, it's we got out. In the we life. got out. There's a common <laughs> misconception that this movie's about our lives. It's just a loose adaptation, not like a direct adaptation. You know. <laughs> but I love the town. Yeah, I'm not a hockey player. That's what they got wrong. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's amazing though because uh, I've always wanted to talk about this movie on the show, and we did our Boston episode like in 2020. We did best. Boston movies and we talked about the town there but we've been saving this bacon in the freezer for a while that was an old one it's an old yeah. man it was like before it was like second month 22 yeah so long ago wow. back when we were just kids I had no idea what we were doing and now <laughs> 30 year old babies now we do this for a living which is <laughs> wild because everyone's amazing who listens to us we appreciate you all so much but the town is the shit 
Um, uh, I, I might as well talk about that too because it was yeah. not my next watch, but since we're on the topic, great action, one of the best best heist movies this century for sure, and you could put it up, up as an all time heist movie too. I mean, it's up there with movies like Thief, with movies like Heat. It's it packs a punch like they do as well as. Uh, ben does some things you never seen before. I mean, a heist at Fenway Park, kid. That's fucking crazy. Are you fucking kidding me, guys? Insane. And we did an episode, Anthony, like, like Anthony said on it on Wednesday, and we did like an hour and forty five on it. It was so fun. We did fun games like Best Boston Accents, and we talked with Boston Accents quite a bit on it, and not even on purpose. It just <laughs> when you talk about stuff from Boston, it just starts to come out. Yeah. Even though we, we do our best to, you know, Mini- get them imitate it, imi- uh, mi- imitate it. <laughs> <laughs> best to mitigate it best to mitigate it and, yeah. and keep it subtle but man it's just fun to like let it out sometimes let the let the accent breathe like a nice you know what we should have done we should have gotten a little tipsy and then it would have been super it would have been annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah kid give me the scotch bro so this is a fucking wicked awesome give me movie some, guy uh, get me some soco and, and coke <laughs> <laughs> it was just a blast to talk about it's an awesome movie ben affleck you know the gone baby gone surprised a lot of people but the town blew everyone's fucking hair back this movie kicks ass big time it does but then well my go I'll to your my, next one should i do my next one yeah go for it all right my my next watch was X. They had a re-release in theaters just for October 11th, and it was an awesome experience to see it again in theaters. I hadn't seen it since I saw it in theaters, and I'd seen Pearl before that, obviously. And they make for a great double feature. And I can't remember if I talked about this last week, but I might as well keep going, because Ty fucking West is the man. I love this guy. Who comes up with the horror movie of this this girl on a farm? I mean, I'm sorry. I'm talking about Pearl for a second. That's what it was. I watched Pearl before. That's why Mm -hmm. it's fresh in my memory. Mm -hmm. Of um, obviously with X, this great throwback to a classic horror movie. It's so many of the same beats. You know, we got a road trip. We have a gas station <laughs> stop. We have an eerie tone. We have weird old people and great gore and suspense and intense horrors, intense moments of gore. Like the sequence in front of the, the headlights. I had to look away the first time I saw it in theaters, but then I saw it again. And I actually watched the whole time because I knew what I was about to see, but it made me sick last time almost. But I loved it so much, and I, I love Ty West's movies. And this is so unique and so original at the same time as being just a classic slasher movie. Oh, yeah. But just flipping it on its head, it's very meta to an extent. You know, they're filming a movie in a movie, so those are always fun sequences to have and get you behind the camera while Good thing they're not filming a porno in a porno. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's been done before. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's been done, but, like, it wouldn't have been a normal release for a movie. But, but at the end of the day, it's just great filmmaking yeah. and insanely efficient to shoot two movies at the same time on the same location, just different times and different eras with the same actress playing three characters in both of the movies combined. It's just so fun. Mia Goth is a star. She played the alligator, too. Yeah, she was the alligator. <laughs> but just the idea of having this this girl on a farm from Pearl who has a pet alligator and then keeping it alive. Theta! And then 70 years later, 60 years later, uh, it's the same situation. But I can't wait for Maxine to follow... Maxine, as she continues her career and what her career is going to be like getting into the, the XXX industry. I think it's uh, A24's most anticipated movie right now. It might be. Yeah. It's up there. I, I'm very excited about it. Now, let's move into the Letterbox Top 4 of five of you listeners. So thanks to everybody who sends in their Top 4. We have a list of about 130 right now. And if you want to send us your Top 4 to talk about on the show, just be sure to send a screenshot of your Top 4 and just DM it to us on Instagram. We'll add you to the gallery list. So first up, we got Matt Poole, awesome friend and fan of the show. What's up, Matt? So we got Matt, the dark, the dark crystal, the dark crystal, the dark, 
<laughs> dark crystal. What's the dark crystal about? <laughs> Shut up. The dark crystal. Superman the original. Nice. It's a great pick. That's our first one. Yeah, it's a top tier superhero movie, honestly. It's a perfect movie. Then we got Mallrats, childhood favorite. Kitty, 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 kitty. The first ever Stanley cameo. <laughs> that was the first one. Oh, yeah, you're right. And there's he's that Stan gr- Lee. Stan, yeah. No, you said Stan Lee, like one word. I said it too quickly. Yeah, so yeah. Stan Lee cameo. Who is Stan Lee? Stan Lee the No, it's Stan <laughs> Lee. There you go. <laughs> so uh, what's great about um, the Stan Lee scene is that when Jason Lee's talking to him and they're like walking around the mall and he's asked about like how much like he got laid. Back in the day, and Stan Lee goes, you know, me and Mick, were we used to keep track, but then I just blew him out of the water. <laughs> There's no point in keeping count anymore. Jason Lee's like, oh, my God, that's so hot. <laughs> like, talking about Mick Jagger, obviously. I would love to see, like, Jason Lee's character, that person, like, now. living now yeah. with Marvel and how much they must love that. That would be a fun take. Because those, those dudes in the 90s that were just so huge in the comics, now their lives must be just an embarrassment of riches of all these MCU and comic book movies. I think they could... I mean, they made... Clerks three comes out soon, but why not make a Mallrats too? I would love to see Mallrats too. I'd rather, yeah, I mean, I'd rather see Mallrats. I like Mallrats a lot. Plus, yeah. Ben Affleck is so young in this early role as the man at the fashionable wear store, mm-hmm. the fashionable men's store. He's such the a chocolate dick. hands, <laughs> the shit hands. Yeah, oh, that's a, a Rooker. Yeah, no, it's, no, it's not. No, it's no, the no. guy who looks like him. Yeah, it's, he, I think it's the guy who looks like it, him. He it looks a lot Rooker. like Michael Rooker. Yeah, you're right. Let me double check because it actually might be Michael Rooker. It might Rooker. be Rooker. Hold on, let me see. I think um, it's just so long. It's because he's, he's bald. It's because he's got hair in the in it's this, in mall rats. No, he's got no. He's bald in mall rats. The guy is he? I thought he had hair in it. No, it's bald. I'm pretty sure he's bald. Double check. I'm looking. Keep going. But then um, Jay and Silent Bob. Obviously, it's just fun shenanigans, but also just like the nerd talk, the pop culture talk, and also I mean in Clerks. Too, there's it the, is Michael yeah, Rooker. It's Michael Rooker. He's got a shaved head. That's what makes him look <laughs> yeah. different. Shaved head. He's so young in it. It's great. 1995. But I, mean, but I mean, that's what we did when we were kids. We hung out at the mall with our friends. It's a great movie. Yeah. It is. And then. And then. Got, if, I'm, no, I'm just trying to. I've never heard of this movie. Blade the Immortal. Top four. I'm going to have to add this to my list. Blade the Immortal. I've never heard of it. Live action? Um, yes, it looks like live action. Looks like a Japanese action film. I'm going to I'm gonna add this to my to my list. That's a cool title. Yeah, it's fucking great poster too. Matt, thank you so much for sending that in, pal. Appreciate it. Also, he he left us a great review for Midnight Ruin. Oh man, what a guy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, next up we got Arch, Archie, Archie Cowley, AJ, AJC. How many names does he have? He's got Arch, Archie, he's, Archie Cowley. He's known by many names. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like going through the whole thing. Hey, they're all here. <laughs> so, first he's got the Departed. The Departed kid. 
Then Interstellar. Amazing. There's a movie here. I can't talk about this one. I'm not allowed to talk about it. Yeah, but we know what it's about. Yeah, we, we know what it is. But yeah, yeah I'm just, sorry. You just should, you're, not, you're not even supposed to be chatting about I know, it. At all. I'm going too far. Archie, I can't believe you even put it in your top four. You're not, sorry, you're not supposed yeah. to be talking about it at all. <laughs> it should just say blank movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, my name is Maximus Decimus Meridius. Archie, we are like best friends. Did we just become best friends? Oh, yeah. I think that this film taste is incredible. Fantastic. And it. then uh, recently they've watched Now You See Me, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. The Departed and Gladiator. Excellent. Excellent <laughs> stuff. Next up, we have uh, Jai Cam. And Jai Cam's top four on Letterboxd is Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. Oh, The Thing. Nice. Motherfucker looks like The Thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a reference to Fantastic yeah, Four, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if you know. So in the movie, Res- <laughs> so Anthony's <laughs> referencing Reservoir Dogs. And so he, Anthony thought that they're referencing the thing yeah, in that movie. I thought they were referencing the but thing. But they're actually referencing the thing from the Fantastic Four, Anthony. Are you aware? Yeah. yeah. Are you, so the comic book. And the, yeah, I thought the Invisible Woman was in the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, and Flame so On. Actually, I thought Flame On was in the and thing, also, too. So when he said Flame On, I thought he meant the flamethrower. And in also in Reservoir Dogs, there's a, there's a poster of Silver <laughs> Surfer who's a villain of the Fantastic Four. Uh, no, I thought he was the villain of the thing. So I'm pretty sure com- I'm pretty sure Silver Surfer versus the Thing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's someone with the surfboard in the Thing. <laughs> <laughs> the Thing was the surfboard. He surfs the snow. He surfed. He, he surfed, surfed, surfed down the mountain. He surfed to Earth. <laughs> <laughs> then we got Back to the Future. Hell yeah! And then I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. <laughs> Force Gump, baby. Anthony's going to be Marty McFly for Halloween. Yeah, I'm going to be Marty McFly. So on October 29th, which is the Sunday before Halloween, everybody, we're mm-hmm. going to do a streamathon on on the show on Twitch. So we're going to watch seven horror movies in a row. You can chat with us and watch them with us. And we'll start marketing it more soon. But on yeah. October 29th, mark your calendars for a Raiders of Lost podcast Twitch streamathon. It's going to be a lot of fun. I can't wait. Tons of fun. We should get like takeout. Yeah, we should get Uber Eats and make the guy come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to cover pumpkins. We're going to do bingo. Yeah, it's great. It's going to be a laugh riot. <laughs> Next up, we got Will Middleton. What's up, Will? Will. Will's top four are Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Nice. We're Anthony's gonna, favorite. Name her talks in her sleep. <laughs> That's my favorite talks line. in her sleep. <laughs> talks in her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. Amazing. That might be the most common pick. It's up there, man. It's top it's five for sure. It's, it's pretty regular. Yeah, it's up there. And Glorious Bastards. That too. <laughs> and then, I like this pick a lot. Rocket Man. I love that. Rocket Man's it's my favorite musical. Rocket Man over Bohemian Rhapsody any day. Rocket Man's way better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. It was way better. It's way better. Way better, dude. Like, fucking, say it again. Way, way better. It's fucking way, way better. better. It's wicked, wicked <laughs> way awesome. Better. Oh my god. I love that movie. I was laughing. I was crying. I was like dancing in my seat. It was great. Man, I love Rocket Man. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, it's I, way better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, it didn't get the uh, <laughs> Oscar attention because it came out the year after Bohemian. Yeah. And so there's a trend thing where it's like, oh, the biopic musician big star movie already got attention last year. So then Rocket Man kind of got no attention. I also think there's something to a bi- biopic about someone who's deceased versus still alive. True. I think yeah. there's something about that too. Like the allure mystery of Freddie Mercury mm-hmm. dying so young versus Elton John still killing it in you know, selling out arenas. Yes. But Taron Edgerton's amazing. Yeah. Just like Rami Malek's amazing too. Um, however, Taron did do all of his own singing. Yeah. And they even released the album of his singing. He's awesome. Super, super talented. I love that guy. I mean, Elton's the man. And Will has been watching 
Green Street Hooligans. Nice. What a pick. <laughs> With uh, Charlie Hunnam and Elijah Wood. I love that movie. Goon. All the tough guy movies. Yeah, he's... Goon. <laughs> I love Goon. He must be a fighter. <laughs> Oppenheimer. And then Barbie. So this must have been from, yeah, three, three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> we have a list of over 150 that we're getting to, so whenever we read yours out, it's probably going to be 2024, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. It's gonna be sorry. Yeah, it's gonna be a bunch yeah. of Barbenheimers. Yeah, for real. Sorry, it's first come first serve. So sorry. Just like a sorry a deli. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so- sorry. <laughs> that's one of the biggest quotes we've ever done in our lives. So that's a reference to Superbad. Yeah. After um, Michael Sarah punches her boob. In in no no in gives her a pencil. Yeah. yeah. Gives her the pencil. But it's because he punched her boob. <laughs> yeah. He says sorry. Because <laughs> like someone bumped into him and knocked. That's okay. His head. It's okay. That's okay. I'm uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I meant to do like a I friend. I meant to do like a friend. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is your pen. You, you yeah, it's yours you now. Just keep it. Yeah, it's the first of many. Get used to it, sister. Get used to it, sister. <laughs> oh my I god! I fucking miss comedies, man. They used to be go the, so good. That movie is hilarious. The All-timer. funniest high school movie ever. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got Lewis. Lewis is a great top four. Pulp Fiction. Nice. Another movie. I can't talk about this one. Oh, okay. again. Yeah, we can't talk about this movie, can't everybody. Talk about it. But y'all know we're not allowed to. You all know what we're talking about, but yeah. we're, not, we're not allowed to bring it up. Sorry. It's the first rule. Then we got Spirited Away. Amazing pick. My second favorite Studio Ghibli movie. My second, second favorite, favorite civil, civil engineer. engineer. You know, the guy who did the Madison Golden Square Garden. <laughs> <laughs> I thought hurricane season was over. We should do Pineapple Express. Yeah, we too, should. Man. You, you, I love your that movie. servant? You shine shoes? Process server. <laughs> Butler, <laughs> lingering. Todd's getting snickle fritz. Snickle fritz. <laughs> you gonna leave, man? I can't even light this by myself. <laughs> it's like a sin to smoke it. It's a cross joint. Our kids' kids are gonna be smoking this. <laughs> <laughs> and then Lewis's final film in his top four is The Shining. Amazing, great top four, everybody. Thank you so much for sending those in. It's always so fun to read them out and to see different film tastes and um, seeing what people are watching as well. Yeah. I mean, Letterboxd is such an amazing app. To I love to see so much such old movies on there too. Yeah, that was cool. There's a lot of great. Those '90s, a lot of great picks. Growing up with those ones. Yeah, I, I don't think we've seen Mallrats on one yet. Not yet. No, yeah. that's cool. All right, let's get into the rest of our watches this week. You might as well start because you had 65 watches in three days. To. I would love to. Anthony's literally asleep with the TV on. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched Coherence. Which has been oh, wait, wait, what was that laugh? <laughs> <laughs> that was my fake laugh. Because you're annoying me. <laughs> that sounded that's like, like moving on laugh. <laughs> Let's give James a little validation. It sounded like you were possessed. <laughs> it was like Joker laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Joaquin Joker, yeah. yeah. I watched <laughs> Coherence. It's been recommended to me by a lot of people. And then, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I, I meant to screenshot the DM. Who recommend? Who told me to watch this? And I watched it. Is it in like, your personal or Raiders? It's in my... Oh, I can Google. I can search it, right? Yeah, search in the DMs. Just search Coherence. Coherence. I'm sorry. I'm just... I don't yeah, want to forget their name. Google it. Oh, it was James. James Jefferson. He's like, you got to watch Coherence. So I was like, you know what, bro? I'm going to do it right now. So I, I watched it that day. And I gave it four stars, and I wrote, absolutely brilliant concept that creates insane levels of anxiety. The low-budget approach adds to the realism on display. I was having a panic attack the entire time. Have you seen it? 
I have not seen Coherence. Add it to your watch list. It's a great, like, tiny budget sci-fi film with a really fascinating, excellent concept. It's about, like, converging realities, time. It's just, like, it's like Nolan. It's like a Nolan movie on, like, a $20,000 budget. It's really well done. It's fucking fantastic. I was, like, fucking having a panic. I was literally, like, questioning my life and reality in the middle of the movie. <laughs> That's how It, like, really hits, like, the idea of how we view what is real and what existence is. I feel like I remember this when it came out mm-hmm. in 2013. I remember the marketing, but I never watched it. It was so it was, it was a movie that got a very small indie release, but then like I remember it, these posters. It blew up on word of mouth, and it has like 170,000 ratings on IMDb now. Like a move, it made like no money at the box office, but it's become a sensation. I'll have to check it out. It's I love fantastic. these kinds of movies. It's fantastic. I loved it. Cool. What was your next one? It doesn't quite stick the third act, um, but. The, the the movie is still still amazing. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Then I watched for my next watch, Fifteen Cameras. Oh yeah, which, this is me too. So yeah, which is a new horror film that just came out. It's available on VOD. A friend of ours was the executive producer on this film, directed by Danny Madden. I gave this film three and a half stars, and I wrote silly, goofy, and bloody. This was a surprisingly fun horror film with some great shocks, excellent sound design. We went to the the premiere screening of the film at a Lemley Theater in in L A. And the director actually was moderated by Daniel Scheinert, one of the one half of the Daniels. So like that was Dan- crazy. Daniel Scheinert was there, and then I saw Stephanie Shu was there. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy. But the movie's fun. It's goofy. It's silly. Doesn't take itself too seriously. I'd never heard of this franchise until like uh, we started hanging out with our buddy who produces the films. And it's like a really small indie horror fr- franchise. This is the third film of the franchise, so it keeps going. It's got a cult following. And they're just like fun, turn your brain off horror films. It's a great concept. It's about this serial killing landlord who had properties all over the country, but then he would have these secret hidden cameras everywhere inside these apartments. And he had like the secret rooms that he would would view them in inside the homes, like underneath the properties. And basically just would watch people for hours and hours every day for years and then started killing them. And it's a it's an awesome concept for a horror movie. And then what happens is this couple, they move to this area, and this guy they he's been caught apparently. The news has not caught, run, but res- presumed dead. Yeah. So he's, oh yeah. So he's dead apparently. Been caught and killed apparently. And then um, no, he's never caught. <laughs> he's dead. Presumed dead. Presumed dead. <laughs> so they caught him. <laughs> but then there's this there's this like true crime docu series about him called yes. the Slumlord. And they buy one of the houses that he was the slumlord of because of super low market value. And they bought it for a steal and they're renovating it. And they are ironically becoming landlords themselves. It's pretty cool. It's funny. It's dark. Like Andy said, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Pretty solid scares. And when it comes to independent films, especially movies made on a very low budget, like this was about $150,000 budget, which is tight as hell for a feature. And yeah. they filmed it in 13 days, which is incredibly impressive. It's worth a watch, and I liked it. I, I enjoyed it a lot. So it was a really cool experience, and uh, our buddy made the first one, 13 cameras, and then, yeah, like Anthony said, he's been producing and exec producing the rest. And it had uh, the best kill shot of the year that I've seen so far. It was the, an be- excellent the best gore shot. Yeah, dude, that was so cool. But um, I enjoyed it. My next watch was Trick or Treat. Nice. Three and a half stars from me, which I know some people are like, what's so low? Yeah, it is low. So you hated it. I, hey, that's a 7 out of 10, man. That's true. That's Everyone, 3.5 stars is a good score. Actually, I don't like 3. I mean, 3.5 <laughs> is great. It's 
it's funny how letterbox changes the perception. When you look at the out of 10, 7 seems great. Yeah. But then 3.5, it's just because the number's low. Campion fun. Mm-hmm. Sam is the most adorable little murderer. <laughs> Perfect watch in October. I had not seen this movie in years, and I felt like putting it on, so I checked it out. And I think it still holds up really well. My only cons to it are the gore isn't great. It's not scary for me. You know, no, yeah, it's, it's not a scary. fun movie. It's yeah. very campy and silly, but I don't get scared at all. I just have a good time when I watch this movie. It's fun. And it's a great little anthology short story, short horror story film that they're all kind of connected because of this town in Halloween. And it's silly, but I love Sam so much. Like, I wish there was another one because I think just Sam's like the cutest little murderer. And I enjoyed the hell out of this movie. I watch it. I'm going to watch it, I think, now every every Halloween because you introduced it to me years ago with the Netflix DVD. When it came out, yeah. You got the Netflix DVD by mail. <laughs> I remember that. You're like, you got to watch this independent horror movie called Trick or Treat. I'm like, sounds great, man. It didn't even it. come out in theaters. You get to watch this. But um, I have a good time. I have a good time. And Brian Cox is in this movie out of nowhere. So what drops it down for you? Because I gave it a four and a half. I think that... Because I think it's, it's not scary, but I, I love the tone and it's really silly. And the gore... I think the gore is great and I think the... The horror stories are really creative. I would say that it's just I, I would like it to be more scary. Mm-hmm. And but I think it's cool because it's sort of like an adult version of Goosebumps. It is a yeah, that's a great point. I think that's, that's exactly the, way, what it the is. way I look at it after watching it again for in a while. Maybe I'll bring it up to a four. Uh, that was just my immediate reaction. No, don't after let me influence you, man. Because I did get a little bored sometimes when I was watching it. Really? I got a little... Uh, it's, mm-hmm. Some of it's a little slow at times, but I think it's got some great scares and great twists. Oh, what did you think about the werewolf transformation? No, yeah, that was great. Isn't was, that fucking that top tier? That creeped me the fuck out. Yeah, just ripping great their werewolf. skin off. Yeah, well, yeah. What, not, a, what a great creative idea for werewolf transformation. I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but it's a. Yeah. if you like werewolves, it's the most unique transformation I've ever seen. Agreed. It's really cool. It's not the best, but it's like, for its creativity, it's amazing and the werewolf scene comes out of nowhere yeah it's exactly. a great twist yeah and anna paquin's in this and but everyone's just got like small roles but yeah i i would just say because it's i would like it to be scary mm-hmm. i feel like you could make this and still get some good scares in there but mm-hmm. it's not, for me I, I don't get scared at all yeah it. it's like a series of short films yeah it's it's fun okay next up i watched it chapter one is that what i heard blasting the other night yeah <laughs> i fucking love the score <laughs> so I really like this film. It's four and a half stars for me. However, it has a very average rating online. It's only 3.4. A lot of people don't really like this film. Um, I'm not sure why. For it? Yeah, for it. Chapter one. That's shocking because it's an incredible movie. Although our our boy George knows what's up. He he gave it four and a half stars the other day too and he wrote, it's time we start giving this movie the respect it deserves. I I agree with him. It's a phenomenon. Yeah, I, I, I wrote my review. I really love this film. Andy Muschietti crafted an exciting, scary, and hilarious horror film with a ton of creativity and respect for the source material. The kids are fantastic and remind me so much of the group uh, from Stand By Me. Skarsgård truly makes the film work with his completely unhinged performance. It's got, I mean, just a big scale, incredible cinematography, great sound design, great music. It's just a lot of fun, too. It's not super scary, but it's really... uh, so well crafted and imaginative and i just really like the tone of it i, I think, find this movie scary as fuck yeah i think this there's definitely very scary moments the first time first well, first watch in theaters is terrifying i and for me when he jumps out of the coffin in the house and and it's this it's like his big reveal basically in front of finn wolfhard it's that was like oh my god here we go this, this, these kids are fucked it's great 
I don't love the ending of how they bully him. Mm-hmm. It's that's a little different from the books, but they needed to speed up the the final act and how they defeat Pennywise. And Penny and they they the way they defeat Pennywise is in, internally through their minds with the psychic uh, like a psychic battle. So you can't do that um, on film. So they sped it up to being we're not afraid of you anymore and we're going to bully him. I don't love that, but I understand why they did it that way. But that being said, it's really fantastic. It's a lot of fun, and it's really funny, man. There are some hilarious scenes, great jokes. I love, like— Richie's hilarious. Richie's hilarious, but I love the rock fight with, yeah. the, with uh, Metallica playing. Yeah. It's, like, really fun. It's, like, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> and then it's a great buildup, but Skarsgård just steals the show. He's fantastic, and he made the film the phenomenon, I think. I think it's so funny when Pennywise is—they see him on the edge of the creek, <laughs> and he, he's waving the, the severed hand at yeah. them, like, hey, everybody. <laughs> The opening scene of it is incredible. It's great. Great Georgie, opening. It's, it's got to be up there for like horror movies, opening scenes. Yeah. It's phenomenal. And then Benjamin Wallfish's score is really remarkable. I love it. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, what do you got? How many you got left? I have four left. Do another one. <laughs> Next up, we did Scooby-Doo in the Discord. <laughs> Sorry, you were, you I was were out. busy. Yeah, yeah, you were out. Sorry, guys. So, I wrote four stars, peak fiction. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... It's just fun, and when you understand what it is and what it's trying to do, it's very successful at that. It's a kid's movie. It's trying to be funny. It's trying to be spooky. has a light tone, and it's trying to make a movie that everybody can enjoy while still holding true to the source material, capturing the, the love that we have of the original series as kids. And with that being said, they just knocked it out of the park with this film. It does all of those. It hits every beat really well. The characters are perfectly cast with every actor in each role. I think that Matthew Lillard is uh, the, the standout as Shaggy, and then Linda Cardinelli as Velma is also incredible. It's just a, a wonderful cast, uh, a really fun adaptation, extremely successful. This movie grossed $270 million in 2002. So massive Whoa. hit, massive hit on an $80 million budget. So they, they greenlit the sequel. The sequel's not as strong. But this movie's just a lot of fun, and I think it's a perfect movie for kids in Halloween. It's, it really is. It captures uh, the spooky season perfectly while having some dark elements, some good scares, but not too much for kids and families. So if, if I had kids, we'd watch this every year for sure. <laughs> I love it. All right, my next watch for spooky season continued with The Lost Boys, which we are going to do an episode on at the end of the month, so stay tuned for that. Four stars. My review is, fucking wish I grew up in the 80s. <laughs> I love this movie. I hadn't seen it in like 15 years, but I forgot how good it was. Now I got to watch it more often when it comes to spooky season. It's a perfect vampire movie. It's campy, but also really well made. And there's some cool uh, gra- there's, there's some cool gore for sure, but then really great job of enticing the kills early on where we can't see the vampires as they're attacking the people yet. It takes like half of the movie into it before we get there. But doing things like ripping the roofs off cars and then just the, the characters just get blown away in the wind and pulled away into the sky. It's incredible stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's like I never really seen that before. And this is 1987. And the cast is awesome. We have the Corys in here when they're so young as well as Kiefer Sutherland, Jack Bauer. Before he was saving the United States from terrorists every year <laughs> on TV, he was sucking the blood from hotties. And people in this town, Santa Santa Carla, and the, the plot's awesome. This this mother and her two teenage sons moved to Santa Carla, California after a bitter divorce, 
and they don't realize they've mur- moved to the murder capital, vampire capital of the world, even though they're crying. <laughs> spoiler. I don't want to spoil it, but something about the grandfather's, <laughs> something about the grandfather's funny at the end. But the vampires have infested this area, and it's about them basically one of them gets turned. The older brother gets turned by a vampire gang after he starts hanging out with them, and then the younger brother works with two local kids to destroy the vampires and try to find the head vampire and kill them all. But this movie has everything. The 80s style, the 80s hair, the fashion, the 80s music. It works so well. And I feel like studios and filmmakers before the 2010s, they really knew what was cool in in their eras. They were very aware of what was hip. And this movie was very aware of what was cool in the 80s. And they nailed it. And it's so nostalgic. It's like a time machine of the 1980s, and I love it so much. Whereas I feel like today, a lot of contemporary movies in these studios and writers, they think they know what's hip. They think they know what's cool, but it doesn't really work. Well, <clears throat> that's a good point. I think that what happens is they, they focus on what's popular on social media rather than what's really popular in real life. Yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? That seems to be why. And also, Jamie Gertz, the love interest in this film— we watched her a lot growing up in Still Standing. She oh played. My she's god. the mom in Still Standing. Oh my god! So we saw we we like, I hadn't seen her in anything else. I think I mean I think she was in something else like, something Twister I think, but she was in Still Standing. That's crazy. That was a weekly watch for us. Still the cast Standing. is awesome. Yeah. It's so good. It's Jason really, Patrick was it's really well made. The yeah. the vampire look is awesome. The the contact scary looking the, the prosthetics the teeth. It looks terrific. It's unique. Like it's just a fresh take on vampires from obviously in 1987, but it still mm-hmm. holds up today, man. I love this movie. Next up, that's a great, great watch. Next up, I have Charade, which is a a great action mystery from 1963, starring Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant. This movie is fantastic. It's about this woman played by Audrey Hepburn, Hepburn, who whose husband just passed away. He was found dead, murdered, presumably, and then she discovers he had a bunch of passports. There are a bunch of gangsters and government people asking around about him. She ends up discovering, basically, that he was a a secret agent of some kind, but um, he had something extremely valuable on him in the house, and they're now pursuing her for the valuable item, and then Cary Grant comes into play as uh, as someone who helps her along her journey. It's super fun. It's super funny. It's really great mystery. Um, Audrey Hepburn just steals the screen like she always does, and then Cary Grant's great. They they have a lot of chemistry, the two of them. They worked really well together. But just great cinematography and just great classic uh, mystery. Not quite a murder mystery, but more of like a whodunit kind of thing and just trying to figure out what exactly these people are after that they think that she knows about, even though it's like there's a couple movies that have that concept of like, like, um, what's that Will Smith movie with uh, Gene Hackman? You know what I'm talking about? En- oh, Enemy of the State, yeah. where he, he apparently knows this secret information that the government wants to kill him about. He's like, I don't know what they're talking about. And Gene Hackman's, oh, you know. You just don't know you know. So Will Smith is Audrey Hepburn. Is yes, what you're Will, Will Smith plays Audrey Hepburn. And, yeah, the Audrey Hepburn archetype. But it's really great. I love the movie. It's really, really good time. Sounds great. All right, what was your next one? And then we'll talk about our final film together. Together. Let's finish this, Tom. Together. Just like we started. Together. It's the weirdest part of Deathly Hallows Part 2. <laughs> Voldemort could have killed him. Anyways. Yeah, for real. Next up, I watched the final Brian De Palma movie on my De Palma watch list. It's the only one I hadn't seen. It's called 
Phantom of the Paradise. Recommended to me on the Discord by... Sorry, sorry, one second. Who recommended this to me? Shit. Oh, my God. I'm failing. You're I'm failing I'm hardcore, failing. man. I'm failing so hard, man. It was Alex. Alex recommended it to me because he heard you making fun of me about Brian De Palma in <laughs> our last episode. And so Phantom of the Paradise is basically like a spin and spoof on Phantom of the Opera. And it's really fantastic. It came out in 1974. I gave it four and a half stars. And I wrote absolute madness in originality as only De Palma could do. So it's about um, this very famous music producer who's trying to create uh, the perfect venue for live music called the paradise and so he's and then there's a young composer who submits his work and then the producer steals the work and gets the guy convicted of drug possession and assault and sends the guy to prison then the guy escapes prison gets deformed on his way and now he has to wear like this crazy mask and costume a la phantom of the opera kind of archetype character then he essentially um not so much haunts the paradise but is trying to um, sabotage everything happening at the Paradise. Meanwhile, we begin to learn that the music producer is like has like this demonic kind of archetype to him, where um, he essentially signed a deal to the devil, and then he does the same thing with the composer. The composer signs a deal to the devil as well, basically selling their soul for success and power. It's a really great film about music, about those themes of like demonology in in mythology and heaven and hell as well as like having some great music and fun performances really great costume design fun cinematography crazy musical score but then there's just this wacky bizarre absolute mad tone that is just so hard to nail for people to like take it seriously and he just he he walks that line perfectly and he pulls the film off like there's there's no reason why this film should work, but somehow it does, and it's it's a four on Letterbox. That's how wow. well liked it is. That's it's pretty high. Really fantastic, but it's it is an acquired taste. This kind of movie, but if you like this kind of stuff, it's like right up your alley. It's really fantastic. And then we just have the final film together that we watched last night, right? Yes, sir. All right, so we saw last night at IMAX headquarters. We got the privilege to be invited to see Killers of the Flower Moon a couple days early before its release. The latest film from Martin Scorsese. He hasn't come out with a movie since The Irishman, so it was really exciting. We're doing a podcast episode on Monday again. Just to remind you, it's going to be spoiler-free for about the first 45 minutes. And then, obviously, we'll get into spoiler territory. But you'll be free to watch if you don't see the movie this weekend. But we can't recommend it enough because it was absolutely sensational. I gave it five stars so fast. Martin Scorsese is the greatest treasure we have in cinema today. And I can't wait to discuss it in detail. I've been thinking about it since... We saw it yesterday. You know, I was I was just like didn't say a goddamn thing in the car ride because I was just like yeah. Thinking. I saw you in the rear view. You were just like thinking, I'm just thinking about. It. <laughs> it's an, it's such a it's so long. It's three and a half hours long, and didn't feel like it. though. There's so much to think about and talk about, and just I was just trying to let it sit with me, and I, I can't wait to discuss it. And you know, immediately I made we made a tweet about it this morning, and immediately someone's like, "Where do you rank in Scorsese's films?" Like, yeah, yeah let let's. Rankings. I can't rank it. Let's we just, let's enjoy the movie. Let's let it sit, everybody. We don't have to rank things immediately. Like let's just enjoy it. Um, for me, especially because he's had such a long career, it's not like he's someone like Nolan who's made ten movies. Then it's like, oh, you can kind of 
feel like where Oppenheimer sits in his rankings. If you want to do but that, even then, it took me two watches to even. Yeah, think about I, I waited until I saw it three times, and then I was like, okay, I, th- I think it's his best movie for me. But Killers of the Flower Moon, it's you know Scorsese making a, a western for the first time, which is incredible, operating in that aesthetic in that world. And Leo is sensational. Lily Gladstone's terrific. De Niro brought it so hard. Like, he hasn't been this good since Silver Lining's playbook. And I just love the production. It was so well made. And the music was awesome. It's such a banger. And it's Martin Scorsese. He's still got it. He's still in his prime. He'll never leave his prime. Like, how can you be this old and still be at the top of your game? It's insane. He just he just can't make a bad movie. He can't. Oh, he can only make great movies. It's nuts when you look at his filmography. The just century. The, just the century. The century. Yeah. The century is insane for Martin Scorsese. And I think he just proved again he's just the best filmmaker alive and best filmmaker ever. And he's your favorite filmmaker's favorite filmmaker. And it, it, it's, it's Scorsese, man. It's, this is cinema. I wrote five stars as well. And I wrote a staggering masterwork. Martin Scorsese proved once again that he is the greatest filmmaker in history with this monumental cinematic achievement. Lily Gladstone delivers a resounding performance, and Leonardo DiCaprio impresses with the most complex character he has ever played. However, Robert De Niro absolutely scorches the screen with his best performance in over 25 years. I think it's his best performance since Heat. Wow, it's a bold statement. Scorsese finds the soul of the story through the incredible characters and adapts the source material with perfection as this stranger-than-fiction tale unfolds. The film has a haunting quality to it, and an intangible feeling of endless dread permeates through the screen. Incredibly powerful and resonant themes soak the story with the harsh realities of humanity's darkest qualities. The cinematography is is exquisite, 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 (laughs) and the respect for the indigenous culture pours onto the screen with so much beauty and revenance. It's difficult to express a full review of this film right now, but we will be posting a two-hour episode on Monday. Can't wait. At least two hours. Oh, yeah. We're going to film it uh, later tonight. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about it. It's, it's sensational, and we've had a great year of just some really, really terrific all-time movies. I mean, we don't, you know, that doesn't happen every year where movies come out and some of them are just the best ever. But, I mean, 2023, we've had a couple of all-timers. It's. I mean, this year, yeah, we have two, like, kind of like generational masterpieces this year. I was thinking about. I mean, Oppenheimer, yes, and then Kills of the Flower Moon. Yeah, it's it's that good. It's Those that are my good. only two five star movies this year. Go see it again, though. Go you have, you have Past Lives at five stars, right? I think I put it at five. Yeah, I love that movie. Oh no, I love I it. I have, it. I have four and a half of that movie. But I think that I can't think of a unless Napoleon really is fucking gonna slap as hard as it looks like it does. It seems like the best picture race is really up to these two. And then, it's, I mean, I have to see Killers of the Flower Moon again. I really do to be able to really Within five it. minutes of it, you're like, this is great. This is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Within five minutes. And I, I mean, there was an issue with the screen. They had to actually start the film t- over. Uh, after five minutes in, there was an issue with the with the projector. And so it was. Uh, they had to stop it, and then they started it again from the beginning. But it's it's just still. I was like right into it again the second go. There's a couple of great cameos. I won't say from who, but I know, you'll, it's you'll, crazy. You'll see at the end. But then yeah. the voice of somebody very specific has. There's two cameos of a character's of someone's voice, and then they come in at the end of the movie. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna save that for the episode. But there's and there's a great cameo that like I was just like grinning when I saw them. And it feels like this is the most personal film Scorsese's made in a long time. It, it feels very it's in personal. silence. You know, it, Silence is, I think, is his most. Yeah. Okay. So then, not in a long time. But 
it's up there yeah. for what he did at the end of the movie. Yes. You know, he's never really done anything like that before. If you know what I'm talking about and you'll see it when you watch the movie. And I think that just showcases how important of a story it was for him to tell. And I couldn't imagine anyone else telling the story as well as he did with this, with the Osage people. And they got the worst land from the government when they were pushed out of their home. And then little did anyone know that there was oil underneath the ground and the Osage became the most wealthy people on the planet Earth per capita. And then what happens? The white man comes in with a evil, sinister plan, which is also very clever to get that money from them back by mixing the bloods and... Obviously, this is in the trailer. They mix the blood. They marry into the families, and then they kill, kill the they kill the Osage to yeah. get their inheritance, to get their land, to get their wealth, to get their estates. And it's it's wild that it's true and it really happened, but it's also you know uh, a part of American history that really should get vocalized louder than just a. It's documented really well, documented, but like to the average person, they would have never heard of the story. This is actually only the second adaptation of the story, mm-hmm. so on, on film, but it's incredible. I think yeah. it has also. The two best shots in cinema I've seen all year. I agree. It's got, um, I gotta think of. Okay, I would say, between that and Oppenheimer, I mean Oppenheimer has got some amazing shots, but I would say, I agree with you. It has two two shots in this film are the two best shots of the year. I, I agree. think the fire one might be yeah. the best shot, in, and then the, the film of twenty twenty three, a shot near the end, the very end, the, the last. Yeah, shot. I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, I I agree. I think that I think that one's the best of the year. The way the film ends. Yeah. It's a perfect movie. And yeah. It's Martin Scorsese making a three and a half hour epic because he's the man. <laughs> and man, the editing by Thelma. Oh my God. It's so well edited. It's just a perfect, like every facet of the production is yeah. sensational. And the acting is so great. And it's a, it's a tough movie to watch, especially with Leo's character. Like Anthony said, it's very complex and you'll realize why when you watch the movie. It's gonna take you. A, I think it's gonna take people aback by like, oh, this is that kind of character. All right. Yeah, never, you've never seen him play a character like this. When he he really makes him a fully formed, empathetic human being. Yeah, it's one of the most committed yeah. performances he's ever done. Well, he's committed to. I mean, any movie he's the thing. What sets him apart is that he really puts a hundred percent. He puts a hundred ten percent into every second that he's on frame. Yeah, and no matter what the role is, it it doesn't matter if he's opening a door for someone, or just walking across a room. He is completely in it, and he puts it. He puts it all on screen, even for the most tiny details. And you can really see it in his performances. You can really see it in this one. Especially because he's working with Martin, man. Yeah. And he's already been announced for his next movie. <laughs> Fucking can't wait. Man, it was awesome. You got to see it ASAP. We saw it in IMAX. You don't have to. It's not filmed in IMAX, but it looked Correct. terrific yeah. and sounded great in yeah. IMAX with the music and the sound design. It's awesome. It's got so much energy, so much tragedy. Can't wait for people to see it. We got and two th- huge, long-ass movies that everybody's excited about. Hell I love it. Yeah. All right, that wraps our letterbox recap for this week. Again, we have great episodes coming for you next week. We have Kills of the Flower Moon on Monday. Last week, or this week already, we've done The Town on Wednesday. Yeah, guy. On Monday, we did a horror episode, right? What did we do? On Monday? We did, oh, Stephen King adaptations. That was was a great one. A fun episode, so we did the best Stephen King adaptations. The Town, Kills of the Flower Moon next week as well as we're going to do Universal's Monsters, so Universal's Best Monster Movies. And we're also uh, doing a movie poster contest for MoviePosters.com this week, and if you want to enter, send a screenshot of your rating of Midnight Ruin on IMDb. So just go to IMDb, Midnight Ruin, screenshot a rating of it, and then DM it to us on Instagram, and that enters you into the contest to win a free movie poster from MoviePosters.com. We're going to pick that winner next week, so you got plenty of time to enter, and good luck, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Raiders of the Lost Podcast. Take care, everybody. See you next time.
Raiders of the Lost podcast is a Mirror Image production. Sound mixing done by Jacob Kosler. Opening music by Chase Jackson.